When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, well, the Bucs are going back to Jameis Winston at quarterback. The reason? Well, according to Dirk Cutter, quote, because he's a franchise quarterback and he's going to be here a lot longer than I am. Wow, what does that mean? And you'll hear Cutter talk about what went into the decision and the reaction from a very disappointed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Also, Cutter has heard many Bucks fans want to fire defensive coordinator Mike Smith. He'll talk about why he won't do that. And O.J. Howard's going to miss two to four weeks with a knee sprain. We're also going to talk some Tampa Bay Rays tonight, discuss their 90-win season. And Matthew Joseph earns a spot on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Rowdies have a new owner. It's an acquisition from a current Tampa Bay franchise owner. Wow, lots to talk about tonight. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, you know what? Do you want to be a millionaire? Well, who doesn't? For 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer for a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. So, Steve, I was at one buck place today. Boy, a newsy day out there for Dirk Cutter, who, you know, he wasn't sure what mood he was going to be in after he had tried to fire himself and everybody else right after the game. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> a lot of Sunday. the fans would have appreciated if he would have done that. <laughs> no, I saw just a ton of t- tweets to that to that uh, to that case. You know, it was almost. I wrote about this. It was almost one of those beer like commercials. You know, it was like playoffs, or you know, the you know the the Bears who are what was it? The Bears are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. You want to crown them? Crown their ass. But um, but it was a very honest and weird moment when uh, Dirk Cutter was asked after the game the other day, you know, if uh, he would considering considering making changes, and he's like, "What changes wouldn't you consider at this point? Should fire everybody that was on that field today, including me." Um, he had calmed down a bit by Monday. In fact, I think he had a little different perspective on things, and that can happen, you know, twenty four hours later or or abouts. And um, uh, but but you know, it was. He was rather candid. I didn't know how he's going to handle this quarterback situation. You know, he said after the game that he would probably go back to Jameis Winston, which everybody would anticipate. Um, there wasn't any guarantee that Jameis would play in that game except things went so bad that they decided to give him some game experience. And I think I think if you watched him, you know, you probably realized he needed that before he were to go out there, if he were to go out there against Atlanta, you know, on October 15th. So, uh, but Dirk Cutter made it official. I asked him the question, and he said that, yeah, Jameis would indeed be starting against the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, which means that Ryan Fitzpatrick goes back to, uh, to number two. And Cutter told an interesting story. I mean, this has been – he was very candid about this. This has sort of been the plan all along. You know, we've, we've kicked it back and forth, Steve, a million times on this podcast, as everybody has throughout Tampa Bay. You stay with the hot hand. You stay with the hot hand. You know, and, and it was inevitable probably that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't going to throw for 400 yards every game. And he had a bad first half against Pittsburgh. He rallied them. They probably should have won that game, threw for 400 again. And so he got the start, you know, against the Chicago Bears. But to be honest with you, listen to Dirk Cutter talk about how far back he decided that this was likely the path they were going to go with Fitzpatrick starting the first four games and then probably a switch coming after the bye week. You know, last summer I was on vacation when we got the call. I got the call from Jason that uh, Jameis would be suspended for three games. Uh, first thing I did was look at our schedule and see where we were. Saw that Pittsburgh was our third game on a Monday night. Chicago was our fourth game on the road, short week. So in the back of my mind from that point on, I kind of had it in my head that uh, Fitz would start the first four games and Jameis would start in Atlanta unless unless we were either playing lights out or uh, 
lights out in a good way or lights out like we did yesterday in a bad way. You know, Jameis Winston is the guy that's uh, going to be going to be here way longer than I am. So, uh, you know, he needs to be out there playing, and he will be unless he gets hurt uh, at Atlanta. So, I thought that last comment was very interesting and very telling. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure totally what to make of it, but you know, for him to say that Jameis Winston is going to be here a lot longer than I have than I will, um, or than I am, is you could I mean you could say well, so Dirk and Jameis aren't going to be like Belichick and Brady. It doesn't seem that way, no. Um, I mean, you know, obviously Jameis is 24, so you could forecast that if he played 10 years in Tampa, you know, in 10 years, Dirk will be damn near 70. So that probably wouldn't work if that's what he means. I think what it is, though, and truly, I don't know what Dirk's plans are, and, and maybe he's not all that optimistic about his chances, but I think what it really means is that's how sold, and I've been saying this to people who've been debating, you know, just whether – they're really committed to Jameis or, you know, could this be the last year for Jameis? I've been saying this, and I think this shows it too. They love Jameis Winston. They think he's going to be the quarterback here for five to ten years. You know, that is really what what that franchise believes. Despite the off-field troubles, despite what he did, you know, two and a half years ago that landed him in this three-game suspension, they are sold on this guy. And, you know, we all know that can change, right, when you change coaches or or – you know, owners sour on somebody or you get, you know, you get to the point where you're going to have to pay them a ton of money to keep them. Um, oftentimes that changes your opinion. But uh, Dirk Cutter laid it out. He said, you know, he's going to be here way longer than I am. And it's it's really just an acknowledgement that, you know, despite all his off-field troubles, they they are committed to him. So uh, I think I think that's, you know, certainly the way they're going to go. And this has been something that's been in Dirk's mind. We, we've alluded to it. You know, the whole notion that, you know, they would wait until after, you know, the bye week to make that change. And, you know, I think that they wouldn't have played him at all except the game was so out of hand it was a good opportunity to get him some game time experience. And you could see uh, really the rust that was there. And Dirk Cutter talked about that as well. If you remember, uh, he got a minute out of the huddles and did some two-minute stuff okay. But uh, there was there was a bench route to uh, Deshaun Jackson that, you know, I, I mean, he must have thrown a four hopper to him on the sideline over there. It was just a, a god awful throw. And and well, if there was that, a, if there was a silver lining to get blowing out, and, and there never is, but you have a quarterback who's hasn't played in three games, hasn't been around the team. You got a chance right. to get him in. Absolutely. Um, you know, not that you wanted to get blown out, and but you know, you committed to starting Fitz. It really mm-hmm. wasn't Fitz's fault why they were down, although he didn't no, play great. Well, but three and outs didn't help, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but it was you know really on the defense more than anything at that point. But you had sure, to make a change. Sure. Plus, it gave you a chance to get Jameis some game action going into the bye where you're going to be away from your teammates again for another you know five, six, seven days, whatever it is. Uh, but right. it got him a little bit of reps and, and time with his teammates before he starts next game. Yeah, no, it was very important. And, and you know, again, I, I think it's hard to evaluate – for a couple of reasons. One, Jameis has been away for so long, so I don't think you can say, well, this is who he is. But he, he plays the quarterback position different than anybody else, and that sort of showed up, right, the good and the bad, the, the you know, refusing to quit on plays, the ability to, to escape the rush and, and, you know, sort of make scramble plays and throws. Um, he did all that, but he also didn't protect the ball. He got hit once, and the ball got batted up in the air for an interception. He threw another one before it was over, so it wasn't great ball security on his part. Um you know, but he still he's able to work out some of those kinks, and and you know they're not going to practice during a bye week. I mean, they're off six straight days. the 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 requirement is for the CBA that the team has to be off at least four days in a row, and it has to wrap around the weekend. So you have to have the two of those days uh, be Saturday and Sunday. What the Bucks have decided to do is to give them six in a row, which is you know more than you would expect, and then. They're going to come back on Monday, have a have an extra practice on Monday, then be off again Tuesday, as they would for a normal work week, and come back on Wednesday. So, lots of rest and recovery for uh, for these guys. The coaches will still be working at it, um, and you know that's that's sort of the way they're going to go. So, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick now goes back into his old role, and boy, it was fun while it lasted, of course. And you know Cutter Cutter has a real soft spot for Fitzpatrick. I mean, in the first place. You know, when they when they signed him a couple of years ago, it was, you know, t- to obviously be the backup. And, and he went 2-1 last season, uh, you know, as a backup. But it was also to be that sage sort of mentor, you know, to Jameis Winston. Here's what 
Dirk Cutter had to say about Ryan Fitzpatrick. We brought Fitz here two years ago to be a mentor for Jameis and to be a guy that could fill in if Jameis was out for injury. Both times uh, we've asked Fitz to fill in for a three-game stretch. A year ago, he went two and one. A four-game stretch this year, and when I say he went, he led us to two and one a year ago, and he led us to two and two this year. So job well done. In fact, excellent. I think any team in the league would take that. And again, Fitz's combination of experience, talent, and leadership is valued at a very high level here. So, Steve, it was sort of it was sort of sad. It was, you know, I mean, he's such a pro that that you know he took the news as well as could be expected. But man, just think back about what a magical two weeks it was <laughs> <laughs> when the season started. Remember when Fitz? took the Tampa Bay area by storm and people were wearing beards and he wore Deshaun Do Jackson's I have to shave my jacket. beard now? Yeah, well, I mean, unless you want to be like Fitz. By the way, Jameis cannot grow a beard. He was asked that, and the answer was no. A little <laughs> bit of a goatee perhaps, but not a full beard. Has too much of a baby face. But that aside, you know, the whole Conor McGregor get up, um, you know, good morning football. He was all over the place. He became a meme. Deshaun's not loaning him clothes anymore? Deshaun, let him keep the jacket, I think. It's, I think he gets to keep that. Does not get to keep the jewelry. Um, but that's going to be forever, you know. I don't know. One of the magical eras of Tampa Bay football, if you think about it. I mean, what 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 other backup quarterback in here has been quite as popular? I'm trying to think. What other starting quarterback has been that popular here? Never. I mean, they didn't like their number one guy. I mean, Steve Young didn't have that kind of popularity. Or Vinny Testaverde or Trent Dilfer, for God's sakes. <laughs> Nobody, I mean, Brad Johnson was just a bull, but nobody, nobody like, you know, of course it wasn't social media back then, or maybe they would have done that. But yeah, this guy, this guy captured the imagination of literally thousands of people and uh, was, you know, stopped at Chick-fil-A's all over the, all over the Tampa Bay area. You're Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, um, and so he talked about it and, you know, I mean, look, the guy knocked it out of the park. He didn't just walk in there and win a couple games. You know, he was the NFC player of the week two weeks in a row, the first two weeks in a row, Offensive Player of the Week. And even though he dropped off a little bit against Pittsburgh, he still threw for 403. But here's what Ryan Fitzpatrick knew at this point of his career, that he was either going to the Super Bowl or headed back to where he came from. Here's Ryan Fitzpatrick on getting the news on Monday from Dirk Cutter that he was not going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's you know not something I – necessarily wanted to hear just in terms of uh you know getting that that taste back that feeling you know being out there having fun and enjoying myself uh you know kind of creating some momentum at the beginning of the season with the guys but you know Jameis is is back and Jameis is is the guy he's the face of the franchise he's gonna do a great job uh but yeah it's not it's not like it's a a happy day for me I, I enjoy being out there what I said to my dad after, you know, how week one win and, and week two and, and then week three was basically the best way I could put it was I'm either going to win the NFL MVP this year or I'll be back on the bench at some point. And I, that's just the reality of the situation. And, uh, you know, the first half in the Pittsburgh game was a struggle, but that's football. And we came back and we fought back. And I wish we would have won that game. Uh, but this... You know, the Chicago game, everything went wrong in all phases, and that's the way it goes. Uh, like I said, I wish I could still be out there, but it's the way that it goes, and I'll, I'll accept my role. So the quarterback uh, situation is one thing, and, of course, it goes back to where it was before, and we'll see how Jameis Winston does. I mean, again, I, there's a lot of pressure on him now to be, to be great. His team is spiraling. They've lost two in a row, so he has to be, you know, the guy that stops. He has to be the Blake Snell of the staff, if you will. Has to stop this, stop the losing streak, right? And uh, maybe he'll throw left-handed. I don't know, but he just he has to he has to be great for them to do anything the rest of the year. Um, so there's that. Okay, the other topic, which I, I mean, you know, Dirk was on a roll, and you know, the the thing I like about Dirk Cutter is there, you know, there are times we get annoyed because you know he won't tell us who the obvious starter is on Sunday, that sort of thing. Which, by the way, it turns out I don't think it bothered the Bears very much because they played them both. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like. 
It wasn't like, oh, no, Ryan Fitzpatrick starting when we play. Oh, oh wait, there's Jameis. We prepared for him, too. Well, see, may- maybe as, as a couple of our uh, tweeters had tweeted last week about maybe Dirk's making a bold move and going to start Jameis, even though everyone in, is reporting it's going to be Fitzpatrick, and that would have been the curveball they needed. That would have been a curveball and one that uh, was never going to occur. But anyway, they both played, and so the Bears handled them both. But you know, but Dirk Dirk was on a roll. So he, you know, everybody, of course, the the big the big topic uh, de jour in the last few days in Tampa Bay has been why the hell is Mike Smith still the defensive coordinator on this football team? Because <laughs> they are god awful, like uh, historically awful. And this is after the Bucks spent the offseason rebuilding the defensive line, drafting, you know, a bunch of defensive backs, um, you know, pretty much you know trying trying to 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 completely revamp that side of the ball and they did some good things in terms of personnel now they have injuries on the secondary for sure they're playing a lot of young guys but man to go out there and give up you know that many points 48 including 38 in the first half i mean remember now the last two games 38 in the first half up there in chicago and then 30 uh you know the week before on monday night less than the week before against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, you had 40 points to give up to New Orleans. So, uh, you know, this is a, a defense that has just been just been destroyed. But it kind of got overlooked because of the, of the Fitz magic, you know, sort of spell that he cast over everybody. And yet I think they're, you know, they were exposed. I mean, the one thing that Dirk Cutter could say at the beginning of the year was, well, you know, we played Drew Brees. He's going to Hall of Fame. And then we played – uh, Nick Foles, who was a Super Bowl MVP, for God's sakes, and you know the Super Bowl champion Eagles. And then we played Ben Roethlisberger, who was definitely going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So he had all these excuses. Well, what do you say when you play Mitch freaking Turbitsky? Okay? One of the most beleaguered quarterbacks in the league who had thrown only two touchdowns this season. They both came in one game and only had like seven all of last year. And he goes out there and deep sixes you. You know, he, he throws six touchdown passes which the last time that happened uh was like 1943 and that was the year that the nfl was required to begin wearing helmets and they were made of leather okay that's how long it was (laughs) sid luckman threw seven uh i believe and that was the uh the nfl record so it's the most since sid luckman in 1943 so now bear fans are not really used to seeing that but um so so you know after all of this of course, you know, Dirk comes in after the game and he has sort of his Jim Mora moment, if you will, and a little more understated than that, but talks about firing everybody, including himself. Um, Dirk was asked about Mike Smith and, you know, sort of, you know, everybody's calling for Mike Smith's head. I mean, that's, you know, if, you, if you're a fan, you listen to any of the talk shows, you read any of our mail or our tweets, that's what everybody wants to get him out of here. He hasn't done anything. They were last in the league last year. They were their last this year by a bunch. Uh, in terms of points scored and all that. Um, and yet Dirk Cutter was was willing to deal in the abstract, in the you know sort of hypothetical, if you will. And here's what he said about people wanting him to fire Mike Smith after just four games this season. You know, for those people that think snapping your fingers and cha- changing your coordinator a quarter of the way through the season, okay, well, what would you do after that? You know, like that, okay, if we fired Mike Smith, then what would the next move be, <laughs> right? So uh, changing one person when when we had things go wrong at all levels yesterday, uh, as I said yesterday, we we as coaches got to coach better. It starts with me. But Mike Smith didn't miss any tackles. He didn't not rush the passer. He didn't blow any coverages. He didn't have any communication errors. Uh, sure, every the play callers on both sides of the ball would love to have calls back. I mean, anything that doesn't work. But uh, we, we have to figure that out. And the nice thing about having a bye right now is, you know, we got, we got four games of our own to look at. We go back, uh, we do a self-scout every year this time. We study ourselves. And, you know, we're just giving up way, way, way too many explosive passes. So, you know, that's, it's a combination of, we're, you know, we're not getting enough pressure on a quarterback, and then we're certainly not covering well enough uh, at any level the, the 
flat and lower level, the, mid, the middle level, which is where really Chicago attacked us. You know, they had a lot of long passes, but they really attacked us in the, in the mid-layer double move between our safeties, corners, behind the linebackers. And they also double moved us in, in man with the inside guys as well. You know, Rick, I was listening to uh, WDAE today, and they had lots of calls, of course, talking about what happened in Chicago and, call, you know, callers wanting Mike Smith fired, et cetera, et cetera. A couple points were brought up, but the main one was a year and a half ago, if you think back, if you remember, Mike Smith didn't leave to become a head coach. He re-signed That's to, be, right. to be the defensive coordinator here. And that was considered the biggest acquisition the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> made that offseason. The Tampa Bay Bucks, yeah. No. Or, it, yeah, it, Bucks, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people wish the Lightning had made that <laughs> that that acquisition, but no, they signed him to an enormous contract. Remember, it was almost uh, they didn't tell us exactly, but he was being courted for head coaching jobs. He had a couple of interviews that year, and it was sort of surprising that you know the word was he kind of locked himself into just being the coordinator, just being, but being the coordinator at Tampa Bay, uh, and wouldn't pursue more head coaching jobs. I don't think he has to worry about pursuing head coaching jobs. <laughs> I think I think he's okay where he is right now. Well, so, you um, know, we were looking over the stats, and the Buccaneers have given up 139 points through four games so far. Wow, that's 16 that's points. That's 34.8 a game. That's 16 points more than the next be- uh, worst team, and that's John Gruden's Oakland Raiders. I tell you what, man, we don't play defense there anyway. Either side of the bay, you know what I mean? Tampa Bay, San Francisco Bay. Yeah. No defense. Now the good news for the the uh, the Buccaneers is that the Falcons and the Saints are the next two teams. True. So they yeah, have bad no, defense. And the, the Panthers' but, you know defense what? is I, legit, but the other teams in the division have struggled. Yeah, they all stink. But but the thing is, the thing about Atlanta, I'll at least give Atlanta a hall pass because they lost Ken O'Neill and then and then you know their linebacker. I mean they've got they've got major pieces of their defense just out for the season. You can't really say that about the Bucks at this point. Well, they have Vernon Hargraves is out for the season. Brett Grimes yeah, missed okay. time. You got some of your interior defensive linemen that you were Bo Allen's on. been, been Bo out Allen, two Mitch weeks. Unrein, Mitch Vita Unrein Vea. never got in there. Yeah, Vea, Okay, I mean, right. you got some well, piece. I don't know if they're as, as as important or as big as the Falcons. Yeah, those pieces, other two absolutely. guys I mentioned went to the Pro Bowl. Correct. But correct. I, I, but you stand. Yeah. I mean, the point is taken that they've been hit hard on the defensive line, interior, and on and in 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 the defensive backfield where they're playing a lot of young guys now as a result. And I'll, I'll give Mike but they, Smith they that. they were going to be playing a lot of young guys regardless, based on the way they built this roster. Sure. Sure they were. And so, yeah, you mean, know, you had to expect some, some bumps some back there, pace. although I don't think anyone was anticipating this bad. No. No. Not with guys running free. I mean, there were, there were guys that, you know, there were obviously coverage blasts and, and busts and all kinds of things like that. So – so the Bucks are they're they're last in points as you mentioned. They're thirty first in uh, against the pass. They're allowing three hundred fifty eight yards through the air. Opposing quarterbacks get this worse than the league. Nearly completing seventy seven. They're completing seventy seven point one percent. Nearly eighty percent of their passes are being complete. So it's it's just unbelievable. But to Dirk's point, he's right in a sense. Like, what do you want me to do? Like like okay, so I fire him now. What? Well, the now what would be. Who does he have on his staff that would be better calling the plays in Mike Smith's defense? Because remember, it's not anybody else's defense. It's Mike Smith's defense. They're all just kind of passengers. But you've only got a couple guys on the defensive staff that have been in this position before. One is uh, Mark Duffner, their linebacker's coach. He had that position with the Cincinnati Bengals back in 2001 and 02. And the other one is like John Hoke, who's their defensive uh you know, uh, secondary coach and Duffner coaches linebackers, but um, you know, with uh, with Hoke, he was the defensive coordinator for a little bit at Florida and then at South Carolina. Well, you know, Dirk's not going to number one put that burden on somebody else, and and he's just not inclined to fire Mike Smith. I mean, and I asked, you know, I, I dropped this in my question as sort of an inference. I said, well, you know, you guys have been together a long time, and they have because. They were both on the staff of Jack Del Rios with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Smith was a defensive coordinator, and, you know, um, Cutter was the offensive coordinator. And then when Smith got the job as a head coaching head coaching job in Atlanta, he brought Cutter over as his offensive coordinator. So they've had this, you know, this relationship. And the interesting thing about that was 
Cutter wanted to make sure that he blasted that. I mean, he said, look. Yeah, well, first off, let's, let's get one thing straight. It has zero to do with relationships, okay? None, none of this is about relationships. This is business, all right? This is how I make my living, and it's how every guy in this building makes his living. So uh, we, can, we can put that one to rest. You know, I've, I've seen this, you know, I think the last, what I say, the last defensive coordinator to be fired was 2010. Raheem took over, and then if you remember – the second year under Lovey Smith in his final year, 2015, you know, he relieved uh, Leslie Frazier of the duties in training camp and took over the defense of his own. And that ultimately was sort of the reason they used to fire him and that the defense wasn't, wasn't playing very well, but the plan was to build around the quarterback. They didn't really draft many, you know, defensive players other than Quan Alexander. And, you know, Quan got hurt the final four games of Lovey's last year. But but for all the you know the you like like that game and stuff you know in Washington that was a disaster. Um, there was this I remember there being this feeling like this is the worst defense I've ever seen. They can't stop a slant. They can't do this. They can't do that. And they had guys like Major Wright were playing. You know at the end of their careers at safety and starting, um, they were really bad. And yet I looked it up and Lovey Smith's defense in the year he got fired finished tenth overall. You know in terms of just yards per game. Um, so it wasn't nearly as bad. Now I know the league was different, but that's relative to, you know, to every other team that was playing at that time. And now they're like 17 or 18 yards per game worse. I'm sure the Smith family's got to be loving this saying, yeah, you know, you fired me for Mike Smith and look what he's doing right now, but they're sticking with them and they got Steve, they just got to find a way to work this out. I mean, there, there's no cavalry coming. I mean, it's not like you're going to find new players, you know, that, well, that are going to be there. Well, the good news is, is two of their next three opponents are in the top seven in scoring in the NFL this year. Yeah, the Bengals and the Falcons. So, well, and and think about this. I mean, the Bengals are having such and a both great of those year, on the road. In between that is the Cleveland Browns. Folks, don't sleep on the Cleveland Browns. No, they got a legit defense. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Although they yes, gave up they a do. ton of points to Oakland somehow. I'm not sure how, but... Somehow, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. But, yeah, they, they're they a good, you know, I mean, if you and if you are the Bucks, okay, you're the Bucks. Let's say you're the Bucks fans, and, okay, let's say they go into Atlanta and they lose, all right, which is possible, right? Atlanta's lost three in a row. They're scoring mm-hmm. a ton of points. They can't stop anybody. But let's say the Bucks in Jameis' first game doesn't make it, okay? Uh, and they're two and two and three, and then they're coming home to play the Browns. If you're a Bucks fan and your team loses to the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, the laughing stock in the NFL for all their restarts at quarterback and whatnot. You're done with this team. I mean, you're going to be like, "What the heck?" You know, we can't beat we can't beat anybody. And and the Browns are much better than I think most people realize. Yeah, they're not the Cardinals who are awful this year, but no, they're averaging less than ten points a game. By the way, just the Cardinals are. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think Bradford. Uh, I don't. I don't know that he got over ten the whole time he was yeah. quarterback. In there. They're zero and four, and the worst part is so they've only scored thirty-seven points, but they're zero and three at home already. Jeez, it's darkest before dark. I mean, it's not right. like there was three three road games, only one home. No, they're zero and three at home out of their zero and four. <laughs> oh man, but I, I digress. Uh, it's, those are terrible teams to be around. But yeah, well, look. Um, I, I don't know where they go from here. It's uh you know it's a problem. You know they got to work the problem. Everybody's got to do their job. They all are saying the right things. And and the final thing was Dirk Cutter told his team, and he did calm down a bit. And he told his team, look, like Bill Parcells said, you are what your record says you are. And right now we're a two and two team. Doesn't matter how we got there. I think it does because I think there's momentum. But he said, you know what if, you know what if we had lost our first two and we just won our last two? Well, mm-hmm. for starters, you'd have a little wind in your sails. Um, but, but the record, but sometimes the buy can break up momentum too, it, it including can. including negative momentum. I mean, look, yes, it, it, we've been saying all along there was a good shot they were going zero and three while Jameis was suspended. Right? They're and two you and take two. two and one. They're two and two. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they're now they're two and two at the at the buy in the quarter pole. 
everyone at the beginning of the year would have taken that if you just said Absolutely. you'll be two and two at the quarter pole. Absolutely. Absolutely, so, they would have. It, look, it's an overreaction Monday, or this podcast is dropping on Tuesday, but we're taping it Monday sure. night. I mean, last week the New England Patriots were dead again. Yep. They came out and throttled the Dolphins. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not putting the Bucks in that category. What I'm saying is is one bad game doesn't necessarily mean that's what your team's going to be. And and no. now the defensive problems are going to persist probably most of this year. You're going to have to score a lot of points in order to keep yep. winning it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they've got the weapons on offense where they could do that. Yeah, the good news is everybody's scoring a lot and they could be right there with everybody. So We'll see how it goes. I mean, Jamison going to get any work this week. So, you know, for all those that, well, do it during the bye week, he'll be able to practice. No, no, no one's practicing. They'll be off until No, he could be out at Skyway again doing stuff. <laughs> he could. Well, you know what? I, the players like, can do seriously. that. Seriously. The the t- they can't do it at one buck. They can place. now, but I don't. I can't imagine anyone. Look, these guys are going to leave town. I mean, sure, know, that's why sure. they only give them four days because they don't want them to go all the way to Europe. Um, but, but really, the one person that is not going to benefit from the bye week, because teams always do, is Jamis. I mean, he just played a little bit in a game, and he's been off for three weeks, and now he's basically got to take, you know, another six days off and do nothing, unless he's going to, you know, strike the band back up at Skyway well, Park, it, like you it, said. To be honest, if I was him, I would have considered setting that up beforehand. Well, yeah, as I mean, you were you as you were doing it the, for the last three weeks, is you know, hey, I know I'm only going to be back one week and then have another bye. True. You know, maybe he's doing that. I, I mean, no idea. I don't know if anyone asked him that, but. It's not a bad but you know idea what I mean? for him, like at least for a couple he days. He can't build. He can't mm-hmm. build off of what just happened Correct. in that game. You know, Correct. like there's no carryover now because there's no practice Wednesday. No, you know? but he's going to come back next week and he'll be the starter getting all the reps. So he's not going to have to. You know, this week where they were splitting reps, at least in the media part of the practice, and you know that's right. not, that's not going to be the case next week. It's going to be Jameis getting all the reps. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the card the cards are on the table. There's no doubt about that. Well, here's some bad news uh, for the Bucks before we uh, move on is that uh, O.J. Howard, their uh, exceptional tight end, second-year guy. Uh, remember he went up for a leaping catch, tried a one-hand one, and came down kind of weird, and he ended up spraining his MCL. He had an MRI on Monday, and it showed that uh, he's probably going to miss between two and four weeks. That is a complete estimate. Guys, Many guys heal you know, much faster, and some injuries are worse than others. Um, but I think that you know, I think the good news is it's not season-ending, and they also have Cam Brate and Anthony Eclair and, you know, guys like this that can at least take over in the time being. So, uh, you know, O.J. with a bye week could end up missing just one game and maybe not two. Everybody, you know, sort of recovers at a different speed. But that was scary. That was like all of a sudden they said, you know, he's he's questionable with a knee injury, and then right away it was like, no, he's out. Um, so they'll get him back. So uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, meanwhile, they had their sort of post-mortem, if you will, the day after the day after the end of the regular season and uh, went 90 games, which I think psychologically and otherwise, that is a huge, huge number for them. And for any baseball team, it typically will get you close, if not win a division. And well, since the, uh, since the two wildcard system was started, the three teams with 90 wins have not made the playoffs. Twice, Only three. Twice has been the Rays. Wow. Really? Wow. And the other was the Rangers in 13, which the Rays beat in game 163. Oh, my goodness. To move on. So the Rays the Rays and the Rangers are the only teams that – since and now the, the second wild card's only been going on since, I think, 2012. So we're not talking, you know, a long history here. But the Rays have twice yeah. got 90 wins and not made the playoffs. Well, that's, that's buzzard's luck, as they say, but – I'm telling you, they're celebrating uh, this year, I think, at Tropicana. Now, they'd love to be in the postseason. There's no question about that. But with the changes they made, and, you know, here's the thing. I mean, Kevin Cash can be reasonably certain that he's going to have a good ball club next year. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we see how they handle the expectations. But didn't Stuart Sternberg not rule out the fact that they might actually go out and get some help in the free agent market Look, their, their payroll next year right now with the current roster, assuming you don't bring back Gomez and Romo, Projected to right. be around thirty-two million, which would be wow, half of what they spent this year, maybe, or you know, I don't know what the total this year was. Yeah, at one point, it's going to be sixty, seventy million. million. I mean, you know, yeah. Kevin Kiermaier is really the only one under contract. Everybody else is under either arbitration or team control. You know, initial contract rules. So, um, right, you you don't know. I mean, until you get through arbitration and that, you may sign some guys. But yeah, I mean, they they will have money to spend this year. Absolutely, how they spend it, and you know, look, I think. You know, we've talked about this before, but they could use a closer. 
Uh, they could use probably a mid-level starter or maybe a number three starter. Um, yep. You're going to sign and, and a right-handed bat and maybe a catcher. If you could find a right-handed batting catcher, back up Michael Perez. Um, that would probably be what you really want. Yeah, um, you know, someone that, like that's, say, that's something they Wilson miss with Ramos. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, they miss know, Wilson Ramos. Yes, yes. If you can find someone <laughs> like him. Yeah. Someone that doesn't have a torn up ACL. Yeah. But that, and, and uh, Mark Topkins written point. about in the Times, you know, they've got some interesting moves they're going to have to make coming up because while you know all this roster is young and coming back, right. there's four players they've got to put back on the 40 man roster this off season because they're on the 60 day disabled list. Uh, Anthony Bond, uh, uh, Daniel Robertson, and a, you know a couple other players. I think Wilmer Fonts on there. Sure. Um, they're on the 60-day disabled list, so they have to come back on the 40-man roster. Meaning you've got to you've got to take some people off of there. Now Romo and That's Gomez right. are free agents. Um, you may you know make some other moves of Vidal Nuno may go or some other names like that. Um, and then then there's going to be five or six prospects next year. You got to get on the 40-man roster, or you risk losing them. Keon Wong and a few others that you're going to have to protect too. And so some of these moves you may you may cut some players and then bring them back or try to. Um, you, there may yeah. be some some free agent deals with some big leaguers that you signed to minor league deals with a promise to make the big league roster, but you got to work through the the forty uh, man roster and stuff. Like for instance, De Leon and and Anthony Bonda, they're gonna they're on the sixty day DL. You have to take them off the sixty day DL to put them on the forty man roster this off season, and then come next spring you can put them back on the sixty day DL to create more space on your forty man roster because those pitchers are gonna miss at least half the next season, if not all of it. So there's some there's some bookkeeping games and things like that, but there's going to be some players exposed too that they could lose in that regard. I mean, it's not going to be Jake Bowers or Willie Adamas or anything like that, right, but, right, right. but they are going to have to make some moves on their 40-man roster, so it's going to be an interesting offseason, and it's part of the reason why they traded Justin Williams and a couple other prospects to get Tommy Pham, and people were wondering, why are you giving up all these prospects? And I think Tommy Pham was a really good pickup, and someone they got, you know, low, who has a lot of high potential, but Part of it was clearing some space on the 40-man, too, for some of these young prospects that they didn't really fit in their long-term plans. Yeah, and they got decisions to make on, like, C.J. Crone and some others. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there'll be some things like that that they have to do. But overall, um, I would have been doing, you know, bat flips. and You were calling 100 losses. They lost 72. Yeah, I missed it by that much. And <laughs> did not see it coming. I don't want to see the guy that went to Vegas and saw it coming. But 90 wins, and 90 is a nice big number. That they were able to achieve. So, man, hats you know, off to You know the guys. other part about this team, though? And, and you know, the youngness and, and excitement for next year is fine. It's, it's fantastic, I should say. Yeah. But it was a fun team to watch. No, it for very the, For the last few years, and you and I are both big baseball guys. We love baseball. Mm-hmm. But the Rays were hard to watch the last couple of years. Yes, they were. And, and part of it was just the strikeouts and strikeouts and, and this. But this team, you know, manufactured runs but they had they were they were fun they were exciting they were it was just you never felt they were out of a game uh, even though you know early well, especially early like in the year 10, they were losing they, they were losing millions of yeah millions of one run games I'm exaggerating obviously but early in the season no, they, they were, were losing lot. all kinds of one run games but they were in games they weren't getting blown yeah. out they weren't you know outside of some Boston games early in the season you know yeah and I mean look they they, they pitched well they played great defense which is always fun to watch mm-hmm. right they had almost damn near three 300 hitters. Yep. Joey Wendell so, the, finished the season at, technically at 29975, something like that. Rounded but up. Rounded up. I mean, officially, he doesn't go down as a 300 hitter in Major League Baseball's books. But, you know, when you show the stats in, the, in your computer or your smartphone, it's going to say 300. Yeah. Pretty darn, pretty darn close to it. So, a lot of good players, um, a lot of good guys coming back next year. Kevin Cash should be proud. And Jake Bowers Jake. finally got his average above 200. <laughs> Poor Jake. Yeah, he had a that rough was a slump. last two months. Let me tell you, that was a slump. Like, you yes. felt for him because you could feel it. You could feel him grinding the bat into sawdust every time he got up there. You know what I mean? Um, watching going, great pitches go by and then swinging a really bad one. Well, I mean, and that's what just, you do. It was just lost. Listen, that's what you do. You, you literally you get locked up. Like, you know it's a strike. You're looking for it in a certain area, and then you go to pull the trigger, and the trigger does not work. It, I can't explain it, but that's just hitting. That's some of the stuff those guys go through. And, you know, he still showed a lot of promise, and hopefully he'll work out of it. But couldn't be more impressed uh, with the Rays. Just couldn't be. And, uh, you know, hopefully this week we'll have uh, Mark Tompkins of the Tampa Bay Times to wrap up 
the Rays' uh, 2018 season, so we'll try to do that for you uh, early this week as well. A little, in, and a Blake Snell should absolutely win the Cy Young. We've talked it's about this a happen, lot. It's got to happen, right? 21-5, yeah. and five, a 1.89 ERA. He's won Pitcher of the Month the last two months in the American League, as he won in September now. Yeah, and that's clutch time. So, you know, I, I, I really do believe that he's going to get Going to get that hardware. He does. Speaking Kevin of, Cash should get manager of the year, or at least he should be top three for sure. If he's not, that's a crime. I mean, I could see where right. you say Bob Melvin of the A's, okay. And Alex Cora, because the Red Sox won so many people will give it to him. But I, I think the job that Bob Melvin and Kevin Cash did were better than the Alex Cora job. Yeah, because it was so unexpected. I mean, you know. Yeah, and Boston's got... loaded. Sure. And, so you know, he did a good job managing. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, manager of the year to me is – you know, someone who takes teams that wasn't expected to do what they did and did something great. So, you know, the A's made the playoffs. Maybe he gets it over Kevin Cash. Okay, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't argue with it at all. Speaking of the Rays, uh, you want to talk about surprises. Did you see what they've done? They got a new stadium. Well, they bought one. <laughs> well, kind of. They did. <laughs> or uh, buying it's, one. It's the old Al Lang Stadium. It's uh, the Rowdies. They are the, now the owners of the Tampa of your Tampa Bay Rowdies, the Tampa Bay Rays. Lot, let me tell you, the conspiracy theories, you thought the Kennedy assassination brought a few. Wait till you hear all the ones that uh, people have about the Rays buying the Rowdies, and, and that means that they have control of that stadium down there at the waterfront, which, Look, as you know, was one of the first sites that they proposed they build a new stadium on. Now, soccer, you only get three subs in a game. How can you use the opener in this situation? <laughs> I don't know. Goaltender, maybe. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's uh, it's intriguing because, you know, they're they're kind of nearing a deadline at the beginning of the year with the Ybor City thing. And, you know, you wonder if they're looking for to have control of some area in downtown St. Pete or whatever that, uh, that they could maybe build a, a stadium there instead. And the only place that's appealing to them is on the waterfront, obviously, which would be absolutely gorgeous if they could ever make that work. But, gorgeous, um, but it doesn't fix the problem of there's no businesses there to buy the big blocks of tickets. No, it does not. And that's that's what's driving the whole relocation thing anyway, mm-hmm. you know, as far as financing Ebor City Stadium. So but but there's a they you know, the Rowdies say no, no, or, I'm sorry, the race say no. We just you know, it's a it's a good product. We wanted to buy it, it's a good business venture. They must so have talked to the Glazers. Rowdies. Well, may, you know what? That's how it starts. Not necessarily with a team at that level, but you know. Hockey, hockey is, uh, or hockey, soccer is a, <laughs> very much like hockey, which we're going to talk about next. But soccer is, you know. Well, look, it's, it's a growing a sport, sport. And it's growing big time yeah. in America right now. Oh, absolutely. And it's the biggest one in the world. So interesting, though. We knew Bell Edwards was selling. I didn't expect him necessarily to sell it to the Tampa Bay Rays. My first thought was, is could the Rowdies play at the new Rays stadium in Ebor? Now, That's a good thought. Uh, you know, I, I didn't go look up the drawings, whatever, but to me it didn't seem like the park was built to be able to handle that, or at least design. Now, they could always redesign it, or you oh, know, sure. perhaps there's more more of the seats and, and that kind of stuff is removable and, you know, movable yeah. to where, you know, I, I don't I don't know if that was part of the design process and or if that's even part you of their thinking. Have, but that, you, that was my first have, thought, be, is they were looking for another tenant and they're building an Ebor. And there's another, yeah. you know, I don't know how many home games the Rowdies have a year, 12, 15, something like that. There's another, you know, dates to fill your, your stadium and use and make money. Yeah, it's not a bad thought. And, I mean, most baseball fields are, you know, you, if you, you again, the seating would be farther away, but most baseball fields you can encompass a 100-yard football field. They do it all the time. They do it at the Trop, in fact, for bowl games and things like that. Mm-hmm. But they just have a lot more. But these uh, newer stadiums you know, that are designed more really around the baseball yeah. field, I don't know if all of them can handle it, but. Right. No, I understand. Yeah, they wouldn't be maybe ideal seating for something like that. But, you know, I mean, again, the Rays just say, no, we just wanted to buy a hockey team. So well, we'll learn you know, more this morning as they hold a press conference team. to announce the uh, the sale. I got hockey in my brain. I'll tell you why. Because I want to get to this note. Matthew Joseph. Matthew Joseph four, scored four goals in the seven preseason games. He played in six of them. But he has made the opening roster. The roster for the Lightning's down to 24 players now. And Ryan Callahan's going to start the season on the injured list, so that's down to 23, which is the number you have to get down to. Uh, Danik Martell, who they signed uh, this in, in, in training camp, he uh, made the roster, so did Matthew Joseph. That meant Mitchell Stevens, Alexander Volkov, and, and Eric Chernak are all sent down to Syracuse to start the season. But Matthew Joseph, very impressive. I would anticipate he's going to be in the lineup opening night. 
I think if really? you're gonna, I, well, look, I think if you're gonna have a kid up here, a young yeah, kid that, that you're starting, you're gonna play him. Yeah. Um, now we, we don't know. Nikita Kucherov is back at practice on Monday. He did not have the red no contact jersey on, so he's he missed the last That's two good. preseason games. Uh, so he was getting. Tyler Johnson had the red no contact jersey on on Monday, so uh, he's missed some time too. They're hoping to have him back for Saturday's opener against the Panthers, but if not, that obviously opens up another forward spot. But I, I look, I think if you're going to have Matthew Joseph up here, he's got to play, and I, you might as well start him opening night. I mean, he may sit a game or two here and there, but. I think you've got him up here to play because you can always send him back down if you need. But so why would you why would you bring him up here to sit on the bench? No, you don't do that. You, you know, don't Danic, do that to Danic like Martell, that. you may sit on the bench, and Corey Conacher may get time there. I mean, you know what he is in that. So you know, you want to see what Matthew Joseph can do here in the regular season. He's impressed in this preseason, absolutely. So you know, if you're gonna you're gonna have him up here, he's got to play. And if you're uh, you know kind of Jones in that there's no Buccaneer game this weekend. The the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning open. Yes, Saturday night, seven Just o'clock. Saturday against the stinking Panthers. That's exciting. That's exciting. And it's a weird schedule too because they so they've played the Panthers the last three preseason games. Yep. They go a week until the opener on Saturday. Then they go five days so they play on the Thursday. Yeah, I don't get that. That's weird. I mean, hockey usually is every two to three days at most. Yeah. And they it's bizarre the schedule this year, but but the first five games at home for the Lightning, so. Yeah, they got a chance to get off to a good start, and they'll be picked to be in the Stanley Cup final or at least uh, get to the Eastern Conference final. A lot of pressure on them, but we'll see how they do. A lot of hockey fans, and the way the Bucks are going right now. You know, it's a lot of pressure <laughs> on the Lightning, but to be honest, no one's really talking about them. From, really? From the national everybody's, well, everybody's well, picking them, though, well, right? Well, every, everyone's picking them, but, I mean, it's how's John Tavares going to do in Toronto? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Eric Carlson's now in San Jose, and they're kind players, of the Western. Yeah, Conference. that makes you know, sense. It, it's some of the you know the new players or new the players that move. The Lightning pretty much kind of stayed the same. I yeah. mean, Chris Kunitz isn't back, and some young guys up, and but so it, I mean, there's a lot of pressure, and they're definitely one of the favorites, absolutely. But there's not this, you know. I mean, it, Toronto seems to have more of the buzz in the Eastern Conference, and part of it because that's where the hockey world lives is Toronto. But right. with Chavaris there, it's what's that going to do in this? And, you know, Lightning are just kind of doing their thing, which is, to be honest, probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if you can stay under the radar and you've made it as far as they have the last few years, that that, has, that actually is a good thing. Now, you get so off to the week, start they did last year, and that'll change quickly. Yeah, they, got no, a, they, were, they got a really hot start the first two months of the season last year. Yeah, they kind of ran away from some people. But so, so this week, um, you want to make sure you tune into the podcast, Sports Day Tampa Bay, because my, oh my, we've got – we're going to attempt to endeavor, as they say, to to get you some uh, of the latest uh, and some of the best of Tampa Bay sports. Certainly, we're we're going to try to uh, get a hold of Mark Tompkin and wrap up the race season at some point. Matt Baker, maybe uh, do a little college football, which uh, yeah, is we're, we're now get... five six games into college football. Florida went to Mississippi State and won. That was they're, a big they're, win. They're ranked Dan now Mullen. under Dan Mullen. So yeah, big win. USF's big win. Uh, back at it this week playing UMass, who's without their coach. For using yeah, some uh, bad language, yeah, using Not the like word rape coach in, at all. In, in terms of how his defense played, yeah, yeah, you can't do that. You know what you also can't do, Jimbo Fisher. You can't grab guys' Ooh. face masks anymore. Come on, stop it. You know that's a bad look. And I know people are gonna go, "Oh, there's a wussy vacation." No, no, you just you just don't need to do it. You got you don't, you don't need to do it. You shouldn't do it. No, you shouldn't. You really, shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. No, I I don't disagree with you. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I, and I again, I've had. You know, I don't think it's as bad people. as some people are making it out to be. But you should. Well, do it. maybe you not. Do it. But but you know what? Who's doing that now? Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. that. It only stood out because no one's doing it anymore. And you know, like I like I've always said. Believe me, there's never been a. I mean, as much as they may pretend they're indifferent, there's never been a kid go to college who didn't pay attention to their coach, because they, you know when you go that he has his your entire future in his hands. Because all he has to do is say, you know what. We're not giving you a scholarship next year because just for no reason at all. So you've got their attention. Their entire future is is sort of in the coach's hands. It just looked it was a bad optically it was a bad look for Jimbo. But mm-hmm. I did but I digress, as Stephen Smith would say. Um but we you know, we should get uh those guys and then and then someone from the Tempe Lightning. I'm sure we'll preview the lightning season opener on Saturday. Yep. So that'll be exciting. Get We're working on that. That'll probably be Friday. We'll have a Along with some yeah. uh, football talk just uh, going on on the weekend, but we'll try to get a lightning guest we'll preview. on. preview. Yeah. Yeah. 
That'll be great. So it's all right here, Monday through Friday, Sports Day Tampa Bay. You know where it's at. And we also um, have the baseball playoffs this week. We had two game 163s on Monday. I know. Well, how about the Chicago Cubs? You know, I didn't even tell you that I went to the game on Saturday mm-hmm. yep. up there at Wrigley. It was a little cold. And um, Cole Hamels pitched like a three-hitter. But he gave up two runs. I think one was unearned. He loses two to one because they can't hit. Newsflash, the Cubs can't score runs. Yep. It's the damnedest thing in the world, but they can't. And the wind was blowing in as it was, I'm sure, uh, yesterday when they played Milwaukee. And they hit a lot of balls in the air. One of them went out by Rizzo. Another one should have gone out on a, on a decent day. Mm-hmm. And the ball's just not carrying this time of year with the wind blowing in. Well, they got to face uh, Colorado tonight at Wrigley. Yeah. For the, this chan- is for the chance to then go on and face the Brewers. Yeah. This is huge. Um, and I don't think this is, does not seem to be the, the Cubs team that's going to go very far. Uh, even if they do get in, but uh, you know, certainly would be. I mean, all they had to do was win one game over the weekend, and they would have taken Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were they were unable to do that. So it's Milwaukee, amazing. Play. Milwaukee's won eight in a row now, so they're, yeah, on they're hot. Going in the they, they have that look that the Cubs did a few years ago. You know, for, happy to be there, lots of momentum, lots of energy, um, just kind of you know taking names and kicking butt. But it was. Uh, you know, you love extra baseball. I mean, it's free baseball, right? All this wild card stuff. Oh, game one sixty threes are phenomenal. If you've never been to one, I've, I've luckily I've been to two in my career or my life. You did the Longo? No, the no, no. I was not. That was not there. Uh, that was game one sixty two. Oh, that was one sixty. That's yeah. right. So that's I was right. at the uh, in in nineteen ninety nine. I was at the Reds Mets game one sixty three at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, which Al Leiter just shoved it right up the Reds rear end. Oh wow. Uh, five nothing, and then I was at game one sixty three ten years later in Minnesota. It was Detroit and the Twins, and that game went to extra innings. Oh yeah, which the Twins won. But my my favorite memory, or just a funny memory. So um, it's extra innings, and it's like the I think the eleventh inning, or whatever. And so between innings, they're playing. Uh, they're you know you play different music, whatever. You're trying to keep the crowd pumped up, and they start playing "Don't Stop Believing." So the whole crowd's singing, don't stop sure. believing. And it gets to the part of the verse where it says, and they're playing the Tigers, born and raised in South Detroit. And all of a sudden, it's, the crowd's born and raised. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> they were good until they got to that lyric. Because, uh, you know, I mean, the whole crowd's singing, and it's, it's loud, and, the, and it's in the Metrodome at this time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the line's Detroit, and everyone mm. realizes it and starts booing, which is not what you want as you're the twins playing the music, but... Maybe not the thing you should play, right? <laughs> the Twins ended up winning, so it all worked out. But Exactly. That'd be like the Bucks playing Sweet Caroline when the Panthers are in town. You know, like, wait, Sweet Car- Oh, wait a minute. We don't want to do that. Well, the, the um, uh, Rays did that at uh, spring training this year when the Red Sox, they were playing the Red Sox. Oh, was, played it? Yeah. Yeah, they, had some, they were trying out some new DJs, and that message didn't get to the DJ, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like their deal, man. They already got that one. Anyway, make sure you get here. Sports Day Tampa Bay, Monday through Friday. We're here all the time. And you can reach us on Twitter, at uh, Sports Day TV is our Twitter handle, at Sports Day TV. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. Remember to go see our friends, Millionaire. You want to be a millionaire? That's where you want to go, Millionaire Air Conditioning. Uh, they service Tampa Bay area. They have the best deals for you, and uh, you can call those folks at 727 862 2100 they got zero percent interest and 72 months for uh, qualifying equipment financing and they are they are the best uh trust the masters of comfort trust millionaire first steve verstick i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great day everybody Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.